And just like that, episode three. So this is Air Power Podcast, proudly brought to you by Monkey in Paradise Premium Vodka. As you guys know, it is by far our beverage of choice here on the Air Power Podcast. Check us out on social media. We generally, we're on Quicksilver P51 on Instagram and Facebook. Come and give us uh, some comments or some other folks you want to see. One of the guys that everybody wanted to hear and get their get his his background story and a little bit about what he feels about aviation in general is Jerry Jive Kirby, the one and only airshow father of, of uh, the infamous scooter, I should say. It's, it's pretty infamous. But uh, Jive, thanks for joining us on the podcast here at McDill Air Force Base in the lobby of a hotel. But hey, man, we're classy. Okay, we might not have a whole lot of class, or we do have a whole lot of class, I should say, but it's just all low. Proud to be here, man. Thanks for having <laughs> well, me. Well, here we On, are. Uh, like five minutes notice that I, I got. I'm just so happy to sit down and well, we're, chat with you. We're professional. Absolutely. We're professional, professional, professional. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Everybody, everybody knows you from Trojan Thunder and, and uh, Wild Blue. Wild and Blue you guys have just now started this whole Trojan Thunder, uh, or I should say it's a continuation of a former team that you guys are now revamping to, to be – the most dynamic six ship aerobatic team on the on the circuit it's a new team we'll just you know we'll just leave it at that it started uh you know for the 2018 season um uh six ship t28s all individually owned you know we come together for uh some pretty uh hard-hitting practice at the very beginning of the season in Punta Gorda or the nata clinic uh, we took that uh, opportunity to you know do a completely new routine uh, and it is completely new. Um, spent hours and hours of uh, airplane time and thousands of gallons of uh, 100 low lead to, uh, to to make this the best that we could do. And um, it paid off because Sun and Fun, uh, our first performance, um, really showed everybody, you know, exactly what these T-28s can do. And uh, you take, you know, you take six airplanes. Um 1,425 horses each, you know, just rumbling through the air is impressive enough in itself. But then you spend 16 to 17 minutes uh, of that constant sound in front of the crowd with uh, some very uh, dynamic maneuvering, uh, formation aerobatics, uh, opposing aerobatics. uh, And, uh, you know, we think we've got something to work with here. Well, it's interesting your guys' choice of airplanes, you know, being the T twenty eight because it's you should be right at home. I mean, it's a it was made for a, a jet trainer for the Korean War, specifically designed to mimic the the F eighty six or at least the original A model was with the, with the same throttle and nose wheel steering and and you know speed brake and thrust line and all that and all that sort of jazz. It's a great it's a it's a very innovative aircraft. Also brought to you by North American Aviation, but uh, you know you guys really utilize the Trojan about as about as well as an individual can especially within close proximity to each other and you guys are in front of the crowd the whole time which is which is saying something for a for a dynamic six ship you know a diamond with two solos well it is it's it's um i tell you what you know the the, the, just a comparison of of flying it you know and we'll compare it with the rv8 wild blue you know the rv8 that that wants to be a grow up and be a fighter jet that's right got to get that shameless plug in there because uh, it is an awesome airplane in itself. But I basically fly that airplane with two fingers. You know, the, the sensitivity of that stick, uh, not only in roll but also in pitch, can, can really be, uh, you know, actualized with just two fingers. 
to compare that with the T28, uh, it's like getting in the cab of a semi-trailer tractor. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure about the terminology it's well, there. It's a, it's, it's, but a, it's a dump truck. <laughs> a dump truck. And, uh, you know, we're... You're trying to throw the wheel around, uh, and it's basically a 10-foot throw compared to the RV8. So North American, they, they make an absolutely fine product. It's one of the finest qualities of flying of any aircraft out there. I think any North American product is. Um, but the differences are just stark, uh, how much you, how much throw you've got. And then to, uh, you know, it's all about, in a T-28, it's all about taking care of that engine. And in formation, uh to say if I wanted to move forward a foot, well, that's three different throttle movements to make that happen. You know, one to push it up a couple of uh, or three inches in manifold pressure, uh, and then I've got to pull that that increase in power back even further, and then I got to go one more back up to where I originally started. So it's very dynamic for six airplanes through all, and we're not straight and level throughout this whole thing. You know, these are turns. Uh, thank goodness it has a speed brake because it makes it much easier to stay in formation. And do you guys utilize the speed brake a lot for well, station keeping? I do. <laughs> okay. Being so on the tail end of uh, number <laughs> six in that formation, being on the tail end of that from whip. Coming pro that, that uses it yeah. very much. There you yeah. go. Exactly. You know, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, if, if there's any L-39 guys out there that have flown that airplane in formation, you know you don't pull the power off that airplane at all because the spool-up time of that engine uh, is takes a lengthy amount of time to get you back in. It's kind of the same in the T-28. You have so much momentum going with this engine. If you pull off the power and have to put it back in, you're constantly chasing that momentum. But if you can pop the board out for a second or two and, and instantly kill the 10 knots that you want and then put it back in, your power doesn't change and uh, yeah, just things absolutely. things mellow a lot more. Well, so, you know, and in, in you've flown a lot of the, a lot of the headline aircraft of of air shows i mean you're you started with your air force career in the f-15 of all things oh. and i mean you want to talk about an air superiority monster there you go and i mean you and then you went sort of i don't want to say i don't want to say backwards per se but you went back in time and flown the mighty phantom for for the for the group out of tyndall and you also were in a heritage flight and was it 05 and 06 were those the two years you were in heritage flight yeah it was basically the whole 05 season in the heritage flight but i'll go back to the eagle oh my god it's undefeated in combat there's no other fighter out there you know that's seen a lot of combat can even uh, come close to saying that 100 plus kills to uh, no losses um and, and instant power you know uh, the pratt and whitney uh you know, uh, F-100-220s that we flew with were uh, just magic by keeping that airplane going. And uh, I've flown it in combat many times. It's always brought me home. It's probably going to be the airplane that I say, what's your favorite airplane? It's that one. Um, oh, it has to be. That is an unbelievable airplane. 3,400 hours in it throughout my career in the Air Force, and uh, it's just really, uh, really awesome. So, and, yeah, yeah, I did go backwards in the Phantom. And, um, having never flown something like that, uh, I didn't really like it at first. You know, I don't think I've liked any new jet that I've flown very much for the first 50 hours until you finally get a little memory, uh, little baseline memory muscle going there to, uh, you know, what's the norm is anymore. But then, you know, after the first 50 hours, and you know, it became just a magical airplane to fly, uh, not because it was the best turning airplane or had the best avionics in it, but uh, for me, it was about the history of the airplane and being able to now showcase that airplane 
in front of uh, the many veterans um, that had experience with it, mainly from the Vietnam era. Yeah. Um, from your, even even your background before the, we're going to get into some, some sort of background questions, if you will, and, and so our listeners can get to even know you even on, a, on another level. Your first memory of aviation what was your what I don't want to say what got you into it because a lot of times it's it's not necessarily the first thing you think about but what is what was the first aviation memory you have uh, the county fair in 1960 something I can't even remember how old I was uh, <laughs> I wasn't very old but there was a guy there that was uh, his name was Joe Swindler I very very distinctly remember his name he had the only airplane at our little local air patch. It was a Cessna 172. And at the Old Settlers Reunion in Lancaster, Missouri, he was offering airplane rides for one penny per pound. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, <laughs> it, I weighed 75 pounds. Can you believe that? I actually weighed 75 pounds at one point, and it cost me 75 cents to go for that ride. So my dad was in the front. I was in the back, and uh, Joe was up there flying us. And uh, I remember looking down. We were probably a thousand feet off the ground. I remember looking down at these little cars on the road and thinking they looked like little ants. But uh, I was hooked at that moment on. I think I was 11, and uh, I started then. 15 years old, I, I started my flying lesson. Sold it on my 16th birthday. Private license on my 17th birthday, and off we went. There you go, and that's how it starts. So. I've preempted you with one of these questions before, but it's one that we've we've asked our guests before. So, boxers. Let's. What's that? Boxers. No, you said commando the last time. <laughs> you said commando. Are you changing? Are we officially changing our answer? Is that what we're doing? I'm just making sure, so everybody well, knows I about we were the talking about flight. dog types. I, I didn't. Is what you're talking about here? Uh, yeah. I was talking about favorite uh, about favorite yeah, sport. Are, Anyways, yeah, moving yeah. on. Um, so let's say theoretically you can fly any aircraft in history for the duration of the gas bag, meaning that the duration of the fuel on board. Uh-huh, I see you smiling over there. <laughs> for the duration of the, of the gas bag. And you can fly it, but at the completion of said flight, you have to give up your pilot's license. You can never fly again. You can't even, you can't even ride in the first row of first class. That's too close to the cockpit, my friend. What's it going to be? I can't remember what we talked about before. We did have a very lengthy discussion on We that. did. It was actually a, a scenario-based. <laughs> it was. And I remember I was going to gun snort in That's an correct. F-15. That's right. And, and then just keep on flying it forever. Because I, asked, I, I, I originally asked Snort this question, and he said he wanted a slick Tomcat, and we allowed you guys one refueling. Yeah. And you wanted a slick Eagle. <laughs> And your exact answer in, in true fighter pilot fashion, when I asked you what w- what yours would be, you said, oh, I want a slick eagle so I could gun snort. Yeah. <laughs> Challenge accepted. I mean, there's that's just it. no other way to go about and it. And you could, you could land and, and drink muck in paradise for the rest of your life. You know, people ask me those questions all the time. What, what's the favorite airplane you've ever flown? I am, my, my pat answer is the one I'm in. Right. You know, that's the favorite one. But I know, but that's why I always so say, but you've got to give up your license at the end of it. Yeah, well. Yeah. I know, but you know what? You have to. Yeah. You have to. I'd go back on that promise every day. <laughs> you would steal I'll tell it. you what you need to know so I can get into a slick eagle and gun snort one last time in that airplane, but <laughs> I'm going to go back on that promise. I, I, I completely understand. So for for all of our, our guys out there, guys and girls out there that want to uh, 
find you on social media? What, what, where would you recommend they find you, Jive, besides besides looking you up pri- privately on well, Facebook? Well, I mean, you know, I'm Jerry Kirby <laughs> at uh, Facebook or, you know, Jive F15 on Twitter, um, Fly Jive Fly, uh, and then obviously Wild Blue Rodeo, uh, you know, that will uh, cover basically everything that's going on with Wild Blue. But that's sort, like like a, that's sort of like a CENTCOM for everybody right there. That's like the, the Jive Central Command is Fly Jive Flies for those of you that are that are out there wondering pretty much the brains of the operation, even though the, the, the flying talent maybe maybe jive, the logistical genius that's behind it would be Lunar, your your lovely wife. Absolutely. And uh, you know, she she definitely does a, a hell of a job and it shows. It shows. Oh uh, so. yeah, she does a great job of uh, of keeping me in front of uh, who I need to be kept of and obviously she does a wonderful job uh, promoting Wild Blue Rodeo and everything we do with the R V eight. She's uh, She's everything coordination-wise for uh, Crows and Thunder as well, uh, getting that team up and running. And uh, but yeah, uh, fly Jive fly on uh, you know Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Very cool. Well, hey Jive, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, My pleasure. That's that's awesome, buddy. And we're gonna have a good show tomorrow. I'm I'm looking forward to it. You know the weather here at McDill is looking a lot better than uh, the gloom and doom that they actually originally forecast. So. I think we're going to be able to get one last uh, show in for the folks at Tampa Bay Airfest. I, I would agree with that. You know, by the time this podcast airs, it's going to be the day after or two, probably the day after McDill. Um, I might throw it up tomorrow. We'll see. It depends on depends on how or weather and and so forth and so on. But you know, the the one thing that I really wanted to to emphasize about everybody that came out to this air show today is a thanks to the crowd for sticking it out it always looked like it was going to rain the entire day but we got an entire show and everybody got in high shows too at the same yeah, time it was very and, nice yeah. uh curly high overcast nobody got sunburned that was great i mean you know so um but jive thanks as always come on you can always come on and invade uh you can keep the monkey in paradise too by the way uh it's <laughs> it's it's our parting gift to you <laughs> wonderful thank you very much it's and actually a, uh pretty nice stuff it's not too bad. It's yeah, not too bad. Alex does well. How many times is it filtered? It's, it's distilled seven it's times distilled and carbon seven. filtered for your pleasure, Jive. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay. Thanks very much. Yeah. So. It's great to be here, Scoot. Hey, man, no worries. All right, so anyways, getting back to it. Uh, our next guest, I, I can't say enough good about this guy. He's like a Swiss Army knife. He does it all. Uh, for those of you that, that follow uh, Michael Gooley, and he's kind of a new guy. He's only been on the show circuit uh, 145 years. But uh, he... Uh, he also races in the Red Bull Air Races, and his on-site tactician, strategist, and just overall knowledge base for Red Bull is a guy by the name of Pablo. And this guy, I've gotten to know him over the past couple of years, has been has just been phenomenal. He's been like Mikey's right-hand guy. He's done a lot for him. He also does stuff on the air show circuit. He does everything from working on the airplane to moving the airplane to, I mean, we're talking like football style like electric chalkboard uh going through like how to how to cut up the chicanes and we'll talk about all that stuff in the in the uh the strategy of red bull air race for those of you out there that are warbird folks it is by far a a a whole nother animal than reno air racing it's not even as a matter of fact it's not even the same category it's not even considered a a you know, if a, if Reno Air Races is a mammal, then Red Bull is like a marsupial because it's a mix of everything. And I'm going to bring on Pablo real quick. Here he is. 
Pops, thanks for coming to the podcast, man. Air Power Podcast. Thanks Scooter. for coming on board. This is awesome. I can say, you know, in your ep- on episode like 2000, I'll say I'll listen. I listened to the first one. Uh, there you go. Hey, whatever, man. That's like one more than ever the rest of everybody. There so you go. The, what, the one thing that, that I really want to emphasize about you is, man, you do it all. You fly. I mean, you're, you're, you're a wrench. You're a, you're a, you're a strategist. You're a, uh, you're everything. I mean, we're coming up with words at this point. We don't even know what to call you. We're just going to call you a Swiss Army knife, dude. Just call me Pops. We'll just call you Pops. So, That's my title. Red Bull Air Race. The big, the big thing about it is, uh, you know, you're going, you're trying to hit gates. You're trying to hit uh, certain altitudes going through these gates. And I don't think anybody realizes that. You know, everybody when you talk about at least the Warbird section section. Everybody used to think that Red Bull Aerosmith was like a, a mix of competition aerobatics and racing, which it's not. It's a whole yeah. other animal. Yeah. Well, yes, no. That's that's how it started. I think if you dig down really deep, and you know, I'm I'm saying like 2003 or four or five, the first Red Bull Aerosmith involved aerobatic figures. So guys would have to go out and then fly a vertical and do a full roll or a quarter roll down on the vertical, blah blah. And then there's all of these elements. Uh, I don't. I won't say evolved, but they kind of went away, and it turned into more into racing, you know. And when you talk Reno, which is what we in America know more, uh, and then we go to Red Bull. I, th- I, I think the straight comparison is oval racing, you know, NASCAR, just raw speed, flat out. Uh, um, go fast, against, turn left, as they even exactly. say on their poster. Exactly. Yeah, fly fast, turn left, and then when you get into the air races, it's more like a road course, right? So you have low-speed corners, you have high-speed corners, you have chicanes, uh, um, and all of those elements. So for those for those of us that don't that don't that don't speak Red Bull, chicanes are like a slalom for the lack chicanes of Chicanes are like a slalom. There you yeah, go. The name comes from Formula One. So in Formula One, when there's, it's kind of an intermediate speed corner, but it's a succession of two or more th- turns, right? So it's kind of high speed, and you do you know it's a slalom course. That's, that's what a chicane would be. Uh, um, and then the other element that's famous in Red Bull is the VTMs. People call them that it's an abbreviation for vertical turning maneuvers. Uh, um, aerobatic people will know the VTMs as a half Cuban. Okay. Um, oh, okay. That's that's the vertical turn that they're talking about. Vertical turning maneuvers. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah. is like a... It's a double, like, that's not really what it is. Vertical is a vertical and a turn's a turn, but we're going to call it a vertical turn. Vertical so, there turn you go. maneuver. Yep. That's so everybody that's watching it, whether you're an airplane person or not, you understand what it is. You know, the airplanes fly flat, 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 and then they have to do this vertical uh, thing, which we call a vertical turning maneuver. You see an aerobatic pilot, he'll look at it and say, oh, that's a half Cuban. I right, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a 5 eighths loop with a roll on the downline. Yeah, that's exactly what it like is. It, but it's flown completely different. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the beautiful part is, uh, for those of us that actually have watched Red Bull, and for those of you guys that are, there, that are not watching it, a lot of them are on YouTube. I, I really, if, you know, I always call it late night watching material because you can go back and watch some of these races. And one of the things that is the most exciting thing to see is your guys' team going like steadily up the ladder. I mean, you guys have become. I remember Mikey won in two thousand nine. I think it was his first race ever, and then he yep. went for a dry spell yep. for for an incredibly long time, and then poof, here he is. I mean, he's in. He's was he top four right now? Currently, as of this podcast, right now, and we're leading the championship. You, now. you are leading. Yeah. So okay, you are in the top four. But the problem yeah. with it is, you're at the top of that top we're four. At the top of the top four. <laughs> we hope to continue that way. It's a man. It's a long road. It, it is. It's it is. And road. you know that 
a lot of a lot of the names internationally this thing is really well really really well received i hear over in like japan this stuff is like like, yeah. Oh, it's it's bigger yeah. than I know. People think that golf it's is not funny. a big sport, but let me tell you something. In Japan, golf is a is a, an enormous sport. Soccer, same thing. They are Red Bull fanatics. They're Yoshi fanatics. Over yeah. In, Yoshi's over in Japan. like Dale Earnhardt in Japan. You can't buy yep. a ticket to go watch the race. That's unbelievable. It's and packed full. It's crazy. But it's you know I really want to see this sport, uh, this motorsport, for the lack of words, uh, really grow because. It's F1 compared, just like you said, it's F1 compared to NASCAR, which is Reno, which mm-hmm. they're two different things. Yeah. They're still racing. There's still yeah. excitement, but mm-hmm. it's on two different levels. Yeah, and it has a bright future. You know, the beauty about the air race is that because they're airplanes and the way this is structured now, you can bring the race to the people. You don't have to take people to a speedway or get them out of their houses. You know, we're just back from France. We raced in Cannes. And we raced in, you know, like if we were in Miami Beach, downtown Miami. And, and the people don't have to go anywhere. So you bring the race to them. You know, we're going and to Budapest and flying under the bridge. It's one of the most iconic places in the world. And the race is just there for people. That and is it's with airplanes, which is a lot more which fun. Is even, which is even better, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, a lot of the stuff you guys do is over water primarily. Yep. Okay. So a lot of the stuff you do is over water. But you also do, I, I, it, it escapes me, the place in England that's like a almost a horse track or we something. We did ask Ascot. That's yeah. the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, and it's it, the Royal Ascot, one of the most famous horse races in the world. And the scenery there is to it's die crazy. for. And you know a beautiful. crazy fact? There's two tracks, basically. There's an inter- inside track and an outside track, and the outside one is the Queen's Grass. Oh, goodness. Okay, so well. So they can only <laughs> race on that track if the Queen's present. <laughs> That's awesome. And they don't even <laughs> like that we step on that grass. I would so agree. So you, you, We can laugh at it all, all we want, but... As a matter of fact, when you get there, there's a, you know, it's mystic. You're like, oh, okay, that's the queen's grass. Yeah, you don't step on the queen's so grass, dude. Magical. You don't want to do that. Yeah, we did that 2014, 15, and 16. It was unforgettable. So how did you, and, and segue in now more into you, so we've gone over Red Bull. Your start, I, I asked Jive earlier, and I think this is one of the questions we're going to start bringing on to our guests. What's your first memory of aviation? Not your, Not your first... I don't want to say, like, oh, what got you into it? Maybe it's the same thing. But what's your first memory of aviation? Yeah. Air show, you know, I'm from Brazil, originally from Brazil, so I apologize my poor English. Uh, <laughs> it's actually pretty well, actually. So, <laughs> And um, so my dad um, was born in a city called Santos Dumont. If you're an airplane geek, you know that we all it's know Brazilians' yep. claim to the invention of the airplane. Uh, and that's... Subject for another podcast it's, one day. You know what? We should sit down with more Monkey in Paradise one of these days. Yep, and, and debate this fact. That. Let's not invite Chris Porter. No, don't. He, no, he he's, knows everything. Chris knows everything. We're going to try to drag him over here whenever he's done doing uh, uh, Goodyear blimp stuff. No, actually, but, uh, Chris should be in that. So anyway, um, so my dad was born there. My grandfather, it was the biggest collector of Santos Dumont items, and he has actually uh, created the museum with the most personal items that Santos Dumont had. Now, that is awesome. So I grew up into that, and my, my first memory of aviation is actually going to an air show, and I'm piggybacking my dad, and we're late to the show. So my dad is running with me on his back, and then two Mihaj fighters do a snake pass, and they scare the bejesus out of my dad, which trips and falls. Oh, goodness. And I go <laughs> face first, bruv. And then when I looked at Dad, he's worried about me, and I couldn't stop giggling because I didn't care I was hurt or dirty or anything. I was just so excited about the fighter jets that just went. That's back. cool. So that's, that's my first memory. Let me tell you, so that's now that's a good one. That's yeah. that's a really good one. Um, 
Now, so from there, you have, like I said, you're a, you're a Swiss Army knife. You fly all these airplanes too. You've flown you've flown Mikey's uh, airshow airplane. You've flown his Red Bull airplane. Yep, yep. You actually compete yourself. I do. And you complete you compete in a one design, mm-hmm. and which is a phenomenal flying airplane. Yeah, and cute little bugger. It it really is. It, it gets you to where you need to be, and it does what it needs to do. Yeah. And you you flew in nationals. I did. You did. And yeah. how how well did you do? Um, I got fourth place which in sportsman. Is, which is awesome. And congratulations. Yeah. You know, I haven't it even was awesome. even since then. I know it's been like you know we're we're barely like nine months since then. But congratulations. That's Thanks, so cool, man. man. Thanks. It's 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 awesome. And you also you also had an article published in Sport Aerobatics recently. I did. Which was which was incredibly written, by the way. Yeah, thanks. So, well done. Thanks. Um, sectioning back to this whole this whole Red Bull being a sport thing, it's so much more than everybody just strap a big engine. You know, Reno is who can put the most money into their engine, and yeah. and I, I say that lightly for those of you Reno folks out there. But I mean, yeah. you know, it takes hundreds of thousands of dollars to to build one of these race Merlins, for the lack of words, or these race. 3350s that go in the the uh, or even 4360s that go in the Sea uh, 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 Furies at Red Bull. You guys all have engines that are dynoed within a certain percentage of each other. Yeah, the the since 2014 when the races came back, um, they have standardized the power plant, so everything firewall forward is the same. Now the engines all come from Lycoming; they're dynoed to within three percent. The propellers are all Hartzer claws. Um, and what you can do around them is very limited. It's mag timing. Uh, you can balance your nozzles on the injectors, and you can do induction and a couple of things differently, basically cooling, uh, which is a big deal. Uh, but the engines are all the same, and that gave us all a very level playing field, which made the series a lot interesting. It used to be that the split between first and last could be 10, 12, 14 seconds. And these days... It, they're all within two seconds, and the, I noticed that. You know, the the, the first five. I remember the first race of the season, like one, two, and three were all separated by like yeah. right at two yeah. seconds. Yeah. The perfect example is we won the race in Abu Dhabi this year by a point three of a second margin, so you know, a quarter of a second, and we were we got third place in France by three quarters of a second. Unbelievable! It's just. Yeah. You know, it's a, everybody says you know baseball and football are games of inches. This is literally a game of milliseconds. It literally is a game. Again. Yeah, and and for for aviation geeks, when you when you just get into it and you see uh, um, what causes those three tenths, where did you lose those three tenths? Right. So you you know you prepare the plane and you do the engine setup and you do the aerodynamics and you put it on the track and the pilot flies it, and then he goes and he's three tenths slower. And you go, oh, my God, what it is that happened. And then you try to analyze that data. And very often, that difference can be he was, you know, five feet too wide out of a corner. Or his elevator deflection was, you know, maybe an inch too little. Unbelievable. You guys are talking, right. you guys are talking such minute stuff yeah. that, yeah. you know, it comes down to also... Um, a lot of stuff you cannot talk about, but a lot of the aerodynamic differences that are on these aircraft. It's you guys huge. have done phen- yep. phenomenal work with we, Mikey's airplane. Yeah, we can't tweak the engines, right? So, so you're left with aerodynamics. In the end, you really need everything, Scurino. 
you need a, you need an airplane that performs. You need an engine that works well. You need a pilot that is in a good day, and <laughs> yeah. and has done everything right that week. From you know eating well to sleeping well. You know you deal with all of this jet lag going to these places, and you need a very well functioning team. You need all of that to hit the spot and perform on race day. You know, different from most sports uh, or your average race, you go out and you have 200 laps to get get a, a race right, and then. The Red Bull Air Race is on race day. You have three laps that have to be perfect or near perfect. So it's not like if you go in and then you pull 10 Gs, you pull, you know, 9.8 or 9.7. You can't go out on yeah, the second me, lap or the third Tell me the difference between point two of a G whenever you're pulling exactly. Yeah. And you guys also can – there's several penalties that I understand. Like you can over-G a maneuver from yep. what I understand. Yeah. Um, you know, you can fly an incorrect level or incorrect height. Correct. That's going. That's going around the pylons. Which correct. is, if you look at the pylons, that's the yellow band. Correct. That's what. That's red where band. It's a red, red band. band. So yep. that's where your head, your helmet, has to be. Correct. So, Perfect. I mean, it's it's in Reno. You have a you have a a ceiling and a hard deck type thing where you have to fly in between. So it's yeah. kind of the same thing, except in Red Bull, guys. It's like the the width of your head <laughs> yeah. so and you're going at 200 plus knots yep. so there's there's that too yep. but uh you know that's it's such more of a it's it's way more of a science than people understand especially the aerodynamics portion of it you know um you guys and kirby and you know even when hannes was still around i mean all the stuff that he did to his airplane yep. that God stuff was magical yeah exactly as a shout out to hannes but i mean yeah. that's that's uh it's such a science, and I'm such a geek over that because it's amazing what stall strips on certain portion of your wings can do, or shark skin, yeah. or you want to hear a funny fact? I want to hear it. When I started um, with uh, Michael about four years ago, we had just took, taken delivery of this Edge 540, and I just the other day I was browsing through my iPhone. It's the funniest thing, and I'm looking at me doing my first cross country. Right, that crazy dude checked me out. He goes, "I'm going from Croatia to Budapest. I've never flown an edge." Like. Good luck. Oh, great. So <laughs> I had plenty of aerobatic airplane experience, and and I did that flight, and it was like one of those memories, like you'll carry forever in aviation. And I have a picture of my instrument panel, and the airplane's doing 24 square, and the true airspeed is 188 knots or something like that. And then the last trip I did was bring an airplane from Santa Paula, California, over to Palaca, Florida, to uh, – uh, silly years aviation. It's cheap gas in Palatka, by the way. Very cheap yeah, gas I'll in tell you what, And I you can stop time. by and say hello to Warren. He's our technician. He has a shop there. At Palatka? Yep, that's well, where we do, do that. all of our winter work. So, and I have a picture of the same instrument panel, and the airplane is doing 210 knots through air speed. Oh, goodness. <laughs> you guys have cleaned it up a bunch then. Yeah, so I got, I actually took a picture of the airplane as it is now, and then I got a picture of the airplane, how it was in 2014, and you can't recognize it. It's a completely different you can't animal. Tell huh? It's an Edge 540 anymore. You know, canopy is different, turtle decks different, the landing gear has fairings, the wheel pants, you know, the tail, the fairings. The engine cowling is a science project in itself. Have you guys done anything for, uh, you know, to, to fix the, the short between the headset? You know what I'm talking about? The, the stick actuator? There's a massive stick actuator yep. problem in the airplane. Yep, yep. yep. That However, I can't between not the seat get, and the you stick. Know, I, have to, I, re- I really have to give him credit. Uh, you know, A, he's a marvelous guy, but, man, he has really – he's a student of the game, as we used to call it in baseball. I mean, yeah. the guy sits there, and, I mean, right now he's uh, – I want the entire world to know that he's eating a, a pizza at uh, 9.50 at night. So, everybody – so, if he places third yeah. at his next Red Bull Air Race, it's Chris Porter's fault. 
It's Chris it's Porter's, Porter's fault. fault. That's why. Because that, <laughs> that photo shoot. And I keep right. reminding him, like, hey, Michael. Mikey. <laughs> We're shouting out to you on the podcast. Every pound is of a second, just a reminder. <laughs> and as he takes another bite. So there you go. Yeah. And, and that's just, and that's, that's, once again, going back to the science. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. And you learn one of our, these things. One of, our, one of our beloved Challenger class guys, Kevin Coleman, made an amazing fitness transition for his, uh, for his Challenger class thing. I mean, he dropped a bunch of weight, and he's still, he's still doing really well. And I, I would credit that to him doing, doing his, yeah. you know, doing, working out. going. Everything his, matters. Every little bit counts. You know, we're talking what I just said it, in, a, in a funny way. It's actually true. So every pound that the race plane loses, you gain one hundreds of a second in the track. My goodness. So it's actually true. All the airplanes have a minimum weight, so you can't go any lighter than that, and we're right up against that, so it doesn't matter that I give him crap so for So are you it. telling me that in, in France that he probably ate a couple pieces of pizza, and that's what caused the three-tenths of a second difference? So actually, That's probably what happened. Yep, might yeah. have been. <laughs> so in France drank, was the, was drank, the race where we If you would have drank Monkey in Paradise Premium Vodka, it would have dried him out. You see, it would have dehydrated him. Can I have a couple bottles and take to yeah, Japan? Yeah, by all means. By, by all <laughs> means, please do. <laughs> Is that allowed in Japan? That's uh, probably more than legal. likely. Continue. Yeah. Anyways, moving yeah. on. So, yeah, so there's that. One pound, one hundredth of a second. And this winter alone, we saved 20 pounds off that airplane. Our airplane, poor thing, it's, it's a heavy machine because it's a V2 edge. So it's one of the very early models so real quick and like let's say uh, a sentence or two difference between a v2 and a v3 a lot of guys are racing v3s okay so the edge was born as an aerobatic airplane correct it was never intended to race in the red Bull races until they came around and when they started it was like race what you bring you know so guys were racing extras and cats that. and, and mx2s Sukhois, <laughs> mx2s you know mg has been in a cap, he's actually raced his cap. There's a picture of him hitting a pylon with oh a good goodness. old Castrol green <laughs> edge. Uh, green, the Italian uh, soccer team colored Castrol yeah, aviator. Yeah, one. I remember that one. Yeah. 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 So, um, and then, you know, very quick people found out that the edge was really fast, right? So uh, the first guys to have them were Kirby Chambliss and Mike Mangold. Yeah, Hello, God Mike rest Mangold. both them souls. God That's right. So. Those guys were winning everything, right? Because the, the wing of the edge is so amazing, and it has really good flat-out speed for a symmetrical wing airplane. So those guys were winning everything, and then everybody just followed suit. For a while, we had a couple of MXs in the race that actually did pretty well, but the edges were always always had the edge, right? There you go. That's no pun cheesy. intended. Yeah, <laughs> cheesy. Just like the pizza cheesy, that Mikey Goulian's still yeah, eating. Just like that just like the pizza, pizza Michael Goulian's still eating. We always have to make fun of Mikey. Anyway. Yeah, always. He's, but you know so, what? It's the way it goes. So those were what turned into the V2s, right? It was the stock Edge 540 that was used into, into racing. Okay. So our airplane is a, isn't a stock V2 anymore, but it was born from one of those. If you look at it, the way you can tell is the F fuselage portion is still fabric. Oh wow! Okay. And the V, and then as the racing evolved, Eric Zivko developed the V3, which actually is the same frame, same wing design, but he put stock wing tips instead of just the old er, flat aerobatic uh, wing tips. Yep, I know. The straight wing tips, I should say, and he created a new cowling design that had you know round intakes and a better uh, air intake for the plenum, for sorry for the fuel servo. Um, the canopy was. You know, round, and the whole fuselage was carbon. So he didn't. He got rid of the fabric altogether. That makes and, sense. And you know, he evolved his building processes in the airplane. Is 
no joke, 50, 60 pounds lighter than the stock V2. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Plus, our airplane has a two-seat edge wing, which has about... This much more area, or Goodness, you see, you see a lot. You see actually a lot of those two. Well, not a lot, but I've seen two of those two seat edges for sale over in Europe. You mm-hmm. go on like you know global plane search and all that stuff, and uh, you see them over there. I always wondered the difference. So segueing into this and kind of kind of going away from from this back to back to the the man, the myth, the legend that's Pobs, and the, the famous Air Power podcast question that you get to fly any airplane in history. For the duration of the gas bag, or the duration of the gas tanks, I should say. All right. Once it's completed, meaning that you know, once you've depleted the tanks and you and you uh, decide to return to base, you can never fly again. You have to surrender all pilot certificates, and just like I told Jive, you can't even fly like first class, first row. All right, Ever that's again. too close. Ever for the rest of your life. What airplane are you going to choose? Man, the one that's tattooed in my back, a P fifty one. Oh, that one. Never That's changed. Quicksilver, really? You, I mean, you know a couple <laughs> things about it. <laughs> <laughs> a few things, a few things. And you recently flew, like a couple of days ago, in the mighty SNJ. Or I'm, yeah. the, you know, I'm more of an Air Force Army Air Corps guy, so we're going to call it an AT-6. How was that? My first warbird time ever. And how does that compare to all the, all of the, all of the? We're going to just degrade them and call them flip-flop airplanes. How does yeah, that compare? That's a Lee Lauderback <laughs> thing. Sorry, I <laughs> know. Flip-flop looking airplane. Flip-flop thing. That's right. Those unlimited monoplanes, <laughs> biplanes, whatever you want to say. Um, what, what was your, what was your first? Besides the fact that you're like, oh my god, someone take the control lock off. What did, what, uh, what was the first thing that went through your head when you, when Larry told you to take the stick? Um, first of all, the memory is all kind of black and white. I got you. Because okay. it's so freaking magic. <laughs> You know, you're in this thing. Oh, I thought because it was old. No. <laughs> it's just you feel like you're going back in time a little bit because it sounds different. It smells different. You look at the controls and the trims and the knobs, and they're all, you know, war stuff. Like It's like I'm sitting in a museum or, like you said, you're taking the National Monument for a ride. That's what it is. And damn, it was yeah. so cool. So, so that's like, well, it's like a movie in black and white. It was the first thing. And then when he let me fly it, and thanks, Larry, it was a huge privilege to me. Um, it was a lot more nimble than I thought. Like you watch the T6s fly an air show, and they're, you know, for us, monoplane aerobatic guys, and I've been pit specials guy, and I'm like, wow, this thing, it's, it's pretty nimble. Like you can Absolutely. do things with it. And, yep. and uh, you know, I just hope I, I get more chances to do that because it was, it was a life-changing day it was well, definitely keep on the road you're doing man i mean yeah. for for those of us out there that uh that see you day in day out on on instagram for for michael gullian's instagram uh shout out to him on that one but you know yeah. on his facebook and and all that stuff and you see the face you see you know you see you out there working in the in the pits or i shouldn't say pits because you know you can look at like the reno pits and they're really not a pits it's kind of like a tent with like a couple sides yeah. on it you guys get like this whole like fold out hanger with air conditioning and like you know yeah. uh, so i'm so i'll just say like the the red bull pits um but you guys nevertheless are still working hard busting your ass making this thing go fast yeah any last thing you want our listeners to to nail home about red bull yourself or even no, uh, the infamous just, pizza eating Michael Gullion. Just get into it, you know. Follow uh, uh, Michael. Uh, follow the air races. It's great stuff. It's it's legit. It's honest. We love what we do. We hope it inspires people. It inspires me. I live my life on it, and I hope I can do it for. They the actually have a live cast on on Red Bull Air Race uh, dot com. Red Bull Air Race dot com slash live. So that's what I've been. That's what I've been watching it on. Yep. And uh, so even though it's at follow? like really retarded hours, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, so. and, and reach out and chat. I love chatting with people online and, and cool. 
and, and exchanging ideas, you know. Well, Pops, thanks for having, thanks for coming on board, Air Power Podcast. Uh, it's 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 a pleasure as always, and thanks a lot, brother. Let's do this more time. We're, uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring some more people on and talk about uh, uh, you know Santos Dumont on another maybe maybe even at Oshkosh when we can all, all right. sit around. I mean, we have more when we can actually afford a, a, a more mic setup. Give so. me a couple weeks lead time so I can prepare my oh, argument. Please do. I hope you I hope you I hope you destroy him. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> all right. Let's so, do it. Anyway, so guys, awesome. that's that's our episode 3 for Air Power podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in and all the questions. If you guys have ideas or you guys want to uh, recommend somebody to come on board, Hit me up on Instagram, Quicksilver P51 or Quicksilver P51 on Instagram, or our Facebook also Quicksilver P51. We're just going through the Quicksilver site because that's really, let's be honest here, that's our that's our bread and butter. So, anyways, as always, folks, thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys next week.